Well, welcome back to the Most Accurate Podcast. I'm Anthony Salter alongside John Paulson. And of course, John, I always say alongside. We're actually not alongside. You're you're uh, you're on the other side. I'm in the Midwest. You're in the you're in the West Coast. We're not not necessarily alongside, but I, I don't know why I always say that, John. But another, nonetheless, it's always good to see you. We are alongside digitally, uh, so I think figuratively and digitally we are alongside each other. So it's it's fine. It's fine to say that. I keep saying that. I like it. I like it a lot. There you go. Uh, as we did last week, we're going to go over the biggest fantasy storylines that could impact you this time for week two. We'll also go over the Thursday night football game, which I think you know it, it, it was a great game, John. But I think in in some respects, it was kind of disappointing from a fantasy perspective. I'm interested to know your thoughts on that. We'll also get into. Uh, John Sleepy uh, Sleepers sneaky start of the week, and uh, also kind of get John's thoughts on Taysom Hill uh, as you know, kind of a bonus segment today. But let's start off, John, with that with that Thursday night football game. So, so the Chiefs win twenty seven twenty four, and Justin Herbert wound up putting putting on uh, really a, gr- a great performance, given the fact that he also suffered some ribs injury uh, ribs injury. Had the one interception that wound up being the turning point in the game, but that wasn't that wasn't necessarily his fault. I mean, he threw the ball to the spot wherever it was supposed to be, and ever couldn't get off the field the previous play. He seemed like he was worn down. The coaching staff couldn't get him get him off the field, and it wound up being an absolute disaster for the Chargers, who, yeah, you know, for the most part, I mean, for the for the first two and a half quarters, I, I thought they they outplayed the Chiefs. But from a fantasy fantasy perspective. Kind of a quiet game for Patrick Mahomes in some respects. Uh, Travis Kelsey went for five catches for 51 yards. The, the catches, the receptions were below his over-under total for his receptions. Uh, the, the yards missed. It went went under by a pretty significant mark. When, when you look at the Chiefs and you, and, you, and you talk first about Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, uh, what are your thoughts from a fantasy perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think those were quiet games, uh, disappointing games from a fantasy uh, perspective. Anytime Mahomes throws for 235 and even two touchdowns, it's just kind of below expectations. And, uh, you know, the defenses, I think, played better uh, than we were expecting. I think we were expecting a bigger shootout than this. I mean, it went to 51 total points, but uh, it seems kind of low for these two teams. And um, you mentioned the, uh, the play at the goal line and, you know, it was you could see after the the Everett long run that he was signaling to come out of the game and the coaches wanted to go fast or I don't know maybe Justin Herbert wanted to go fast um but he was like he ran his route he just did <laughs> did not look like he expected the ball wanted the ball uh or anything and you know he I think he said after the game that he had a uh you know an ankle injury that he was kind of nursing and needed a break and um, couldn't get off the field. So, I mean, I think if you're out there, you have to sort of run your route the way you're expected to, because you might end up finding the ball. And uh, in this situation, it totally backfired and it changed the game. I and mean, that one play swung the game, I think, away from the Chargers uh, to a point where they they're now going from favorite to heavy favorite at that point. You know, one yard line, two yard line, uh, about to go in for a touchdown to uh, you know an underdog to to win the game. Yeah, they, it, it, it's unfortunate because, again, I, I thought that just from a football perspective, not necessarily fantasy perspective, I thought, you know, the Chargers kind of controlled that game. And I thought they did a great job on Patrick Mahomes in the first half. And then that that one goal line play completely swung the momentum and, and the Chargers, whether it's – I mean, Justin Herbert still, the, the throw that he made at the end of the game on the on fourth down, I, he, I went from – 
almost cursing him, John, saying, "Why, you know, why, why didn't you run? Why didn't you run for that first down on on third down?" If anybody saw the game, he 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 had five, six, seven yards in front of him and decided to almost throw the ball away on third down. Then he put, uh, you know, an absolute rope on fourth down. He, he made, uh, you know, made the big throw, winds up squandering a couple of plays and then throws for a touchdown. It was just, it was one of those games from Justin Herbert where, you know, it was ups and, up and down, but the fact that he gutted through a, a ribs injury was pretty significant. Uh, why, don't, why don't we discuss things a little bit more from a Chargers perspective? Austin Eckler, 23 touches, 94 yards. You could talk about the Herbert injury. Now he goes for 334 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. Mike Williams had a huge game, disappointing fantasy owners in week one. Well, week two, he comes back, 10 targets, eight catches, 131 yards, and a touchdown. Talk a little bit about Everett and then Palmer, who wound up seeing some uh, you know decent time because of the Keenan Allen injury. So from a Chargers perspective, what'd you see? Yeah, you, you mentioned that uh, DeAndre Carter throw, uh, or two, that throw to DeAndre Carter. I was watching the game with my wife and I, she's like, that's, that's an like really incredible throw. And I'm like, I think he had like, he could have, he had like the margin of error of like a mailbox. Yeah. To throw he, that in. He uh, threw because DeAndre Carter is a keyhole. Yeah. I mean, DeAndre Carter wasn't going to go up and get it. It was really had to be right. Exactly where he put it. Basically he had maybe an inch on each side that he had room for error is really incredible throw. Just one more thing from the chief standpoint, Juju only had three targets. That's certainly disappointing. We have to monitor this Kansas City uh, receiving core. They did talk about this prior to the year that is going to be kind of by committee. And, you know, Juju not, may, might not necessarily be a big part of the game plan every week, and they're not going to force him the ball. I think Kelsey is probably the one constant in this offense where you can trust him and put him in every week. But uh, right now we're wondering about the rest of these guys. Uh, and on the Charger side of the ball, uh, a little bit disappointing. I mean, Mike Williams showed up, which was good. We had him ranked high. Was expecting him to bounce back from a bad week one. Uh, and then, I mean, I think you remember the box score from week one. Justin Herbert really distributed the ball. I don't think anybody had more than four targets uh, against the Raiders. And in this game, we had three three players with 10 targets. Uh, Eckler, Everett, and Mike Williams. Uh, and then Joshua Palmer with eight. And his game was a little disappointing. He was a sneaky start this week, uh, but that touchdown at the end saved it. I mean, he was going to be a kind of a dud if not for that touchdown. Finished with uh, four for 30 and a touchdown on uh, eight targets. And once again, DeAndre Carter kind of, you know, really efficient. Th- caught three of three targets for 55 yards after a good game last week. So he could be a, you know, PPR kind of spot start while uh, Keenan Allen's up. All right, John, uh, now moving moving on to some of the, the bigger storylines for week two. And we actually start, start off with an injury from week one. It was the biggest injury, the most significant one, and that's Dak Prescott. So Dak Prescott gets injured on that Sunday night game against the Buccaneers. He, he hurts his thumb. And we, you know, it depends on, you know, who you believe within the Cowboys organization, how long he's going to be out. But we know that the Cowboys are not going to pursue a quarterback as of right now. Jimmy Garoppolo was mentioned, but you know, the, Garoppolo probably should just stay in San Francisco for now uh, with the with the struggles, early struggles from Trey Lance. But it sounds like it's going to be the Cooper Rush show. So, what's your advice for Dak Prescott owners that you know can shift him maybe to to IR or, or their bench for now? Uh, do you recommend that they they hold on to Dak Prescott? And then, what's the impact, obviously, for the other skill position players for the Cowboys? Well, I think in two quarterback super flex leagues, you 
probably hold on to Dak, uh, but it does sound like he might be out uh, through the I don't know, the week eight by week nine by. So, um, but then I also saw for, like a four week possible window. Um, I think it was Schefter that said that it was going to be longer than that after the buy. So that's something to monitor. I think in redraft one quarterback leagues, you're probably looking at um, you can cut Dak and stream the position or find another quarterback to start uh, in the short term. And uh, you're probably not going to hold on to him uh, unless you have a big bench. Um, But as far as the the Cowboys go, the, the other skill position players, I don't, I don't know that. Um, I mean, Cooper Rush is obviously not as good as Dak Prescott, but it might not be a complete disaster. It t- sort of depends on if the offensive line can hold up because they've got some injuries on that offensive line. Uh, and if they can protect him, he might be okay. Uh, you know, he's completed thirty seven of sixty passes in the last two seasons, uh, appearing in five games, sixty two percent completion for four hundred eighty six yards. That uh yards per attempt is 8.1 which is very good uh three touchdowns one interception so just like uh, on the surface that doesn't look too bad and maybe he can uh, be a band-aid uh, short-term fix here for this offense uh but you know he was playing with amari cooper last year uh with a better offensive line uh i think in his one start or one game where he had a lot of uh, action so uh i don't think it's a death knell for like cd lamb because i think lamb will see a ton of targets uh Dalton Schultz will see a ton of targets because of the nature of this receiving core right now. Michael Gallup's still out. Jalen Tolbert was a no-show. Uh, he was you know, a healthy scratch. Uh, so they just don't have a whole lot after Lamb and, and Schultz. So those guys should be okay in terms of workload. All right, moving on. Biggest week two storylines. How, how, how should 49ers... How should owners handle the 49ers running back situation? Head coach Kyle Shanahan said, you know, really it's a competition now for who the number two running back will be behind Jeff Wilson. You got rookies Jordan Mason and Ty Davis Price. They're going to compete in practice this week. And Shanahan says that he's going to go with the hot hand. That's according to Taylor Biscotti, who covers the, the uh, who covers it, the league for NFL Network. But uh, John, when it comes to this injury now, uh, following the Elijah Mitchell uh, injury, what what do you think about the 49ers running back uh, backfield situation? And, you know, from, from a fantasy perspective, what are your thoughts on some of these, these other names that I just mentioned? Yeah. So the timeline I've seen with Elijah Mitchell is about eight games with this knee injury that he has, which is unfortunate. Uh, he's not the most durable guy. It just happened that he is, his injury came in week one, as opposed to, you know, later on in the season or not at all. Uh, but it does sound like Jeff Wilson is the clear RB1 based on that quote you were saying there just uh, from Shanahan. It sounds like they're talking about the, the backup behind Wilson. So um, in the 15 career games where he's seen at least 10 carries, he's averaged 17.5 touches, 81 yards, 0.8 touchdowns per game. Uh, that's from our market share splits app that Kevin Zutluko built for us at 444. Great, great app that I look at for this, this type of stuff. Uh, I think the touchdowns are probably a little optimistic, 0.8 touchdowns per game, given that Debo Samuel has a much bigger rushing role than he did in years past there in San Francisco. So I would expect maybe 0.4 touchdowns, 0.5 touchdowns for Wilson, and because they do like to use uh, Debo a lot in the red zone there. So, uh, so you're kind of looking at Wilson when that all shakes out as a you know mid to low range RB two. Uh, so I think I'll have him ranked in like the 18 to 25. 
range most weeks, depending on uh, what's going on uh, with the matchup or weather or, you know, Debo's roles growing or getting smaller if he's injured or something like that. Um, and then after that, we just don't know. I mean, Jordan Mason was active in week one. I don't know if a lot of people know, paid attention to that. Tyrion Davis Price, I think, was inactive and Mason was active and it might have had to do with special teams and maybe Davis Price doesn't play on special teams. We're not exactly sure because they're. I think they're both rookies. Mason was an unsigned uh, undrafted free agent, I believe. So, uh, I would lean towards Davis price because they drafted him, but the same thing happened with, um, Trey Sermon. You know, he was, uh, fell down the, the depth chart. Wasn't as high. It didn't really matter with his draft capital when it came to, you know, who was going to fill in for Raheem Mostert. It was Elijah Mitchell, not uh, Trey Sermon. So we just have to see who's getting carries behind Wilson, but it's not a bad idea to, to stash either or both of these guys if you have space on your bench because, uh, you know, this is a productive running game. And Wilson, the, the concern with him is that he's had quite a few injuries over the years and, and has been unable to stay healthy just like Elijah Mitchell. So um, he wasn't a guy that I was putting 100 bucks down in our in our keeper league, uh, Anthony. I know our friend Joe uh, did do that um, to, to get him, uh, which is kind of what I typically do. I think two years ago, James Robinson – uh, last year, Elijah Mitchell, I like to blow my fab if I see a guy that I think is going to be a you know every week starter. Um, but I think Wilson kind of falls into a little bit uh, scary on the injury front, but then also uh, Mitchell will, will be back in seven or eight weeks and then you know Wilson goes back to being an RB2. so it's also it's also a league where you only need one running back. I just wanted to mention that because it just kind of takes the onus off of having to to start two. Uh, so, I'm interested to see which one of these guys is the backup. I don't think they're going to play a lot because I think Debo is going to be the, the change of pace back and it's basically going to be Wilson and, and Debo. And then they'll try to maybe work one of these guys in when they need to. Yeah. We only have to start one running back in our league, John. I think I'm going to start three this week. So. <laughs> All right, John, shifting from the 49ers running back situation now to the Buccaneers wide receiver injury woes. If you, if you look at the, injury report for Thursday. Now we're recording on Friday, so we, we try to give you the most updated information that we have. Uh, but obviously the, the injury report on Friday, we're not, we're not privy to. And you know, what, what's going to happen leading up to Sunday? Uh, we, we don't know either, but when it comes to the Buccaneers, John, the, the two biggest storylines, of course, is Mike Evans, who did not practice on Thursday. And again, we don't know whether or not he's going to practice on, on Friday. Uh, but, Mike Evans did not practice Thursday. Chris Godwin did not practice Thursday. Julio Jones did not practice Thursday. I, I always ask you to kind of look at the crystal your crystal ball and determine whether or not these guys are going to play. You don't know, but what's your what's your best advice when it comes to fantasy owners that that are looking to start any of these wide receivers? Yeah, I, I mean, I would assume Godwin is out. So don't, I mean, his manager should not expect him to be available for a few weeks, but maybe he'll be able to make it back before that, but they really shouldn't rush him back at this point. Um, but, you know, a quick Twitter search here. It looks like four minutes ago, we have video now. This is the wonders of technology where uh, we have Julio Jones and Mike Evans warming up before Friday's practice. Uh, so it appears that they are going to do at least a limited uh, practice today, uh, which... I would assume would put them at least questionable uh, for this, you know, for this week's game. The tricky thing here, uh, week two, uh, the Bucks play early, so that makes it 
that's not tricky. If it was a late game, it makes it tricky. Uh, but this is, it reminds me of the uh, our Run DMC song. It's tricky, Anthony. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's an early it's an early game, so we should know have a good idea prior uh, to lock whether or not they're going to play. Uh, you know, actors come out at eight thirty uh, Pacific, uh, so an hour and a half before game time. Uh, we should know if both players are active. I would assume they both will be if they're if they're practicing today. It sounds like uh, maybe they just and you know Julio, Julio too from your days and as a Falcons fan, I know you're still a Falcons fan, but his days in in Atlanta, a lot of rest days, a lot of veteran rest days for him, especially getting at this age. He's you know we don't need him out there for three practices a week uh, to get him to go on game day. So I think they'll both be able to play. Yeah, John, he, he Julio Jones has built-in rest quarters. I think, or at least that's what he did in Atlanta. It's like, all right, where's Julio? Oh, he's got a rest quarter in the second quarter. Uh, hell of a player, but he spends a lot of time either on the sidelines uh, in games or sidelines in practices. All right, same game. You got the Saints. You got the Bucks, and Alvin Kamara is dealing with a ribs injury. He did not practice on Thursday either. This one might be a little bit bigger of a deal. Now you can always wear the flak jacket and all that if you're a running back. Uh, but John, this this uh, Kim, Alvin Kamara, I think, kind of disappointed in Week One. Uh, fantasy owners might be a little nervous here in this injury status for Week Two. Yeah, and this was a midweek downgrade, uh, and we're not exactly sure when this injury was sustained. So, if it was sustained this week after the game, uh, then that makes it less likely that he's going to play. Uh, but if this was a you know something that was bothering him, and they they sometimes will. We'll do a practice, and then they'll have a day off, and then they'll come back. So it really depends on what he's going to do um, in practice today. If he's out, uh, probably Mark Ingram is the is the play. Uh, he's 32 years old now, so um, you know we have to sort of limit our expectations as to what we can expect. Um, I believe they still have Tony Jones and uh, Dwayne Washington on the roster. Uh, <laughs> if you can double check that. We're, uh, um, we're diving in deep to the Saints. Yeah, and then I heard here. some rumors that they were looking at Latavius. So let me let me pull up their roster live. You can see a window into what I do daily, trying to figure out who's yeah. On the so team. it would be yeah, Tony Jones. Washington and Tony Jones. You were right. Yeah, and then I don't think they've signed. I didn't see that they signed Latavius. Oh, they did sign Latavius to the practice squad. So he's the other option. I think he's sort of the you know break glass uh, if there's fire. Uh, type of an option if Kamara is out. So we'll see what he does today and uh, kind of go from there. But um, I, if he's out, I would assume Ingram in the bulk bulk role with with Jones and Washington, maybe maybe getting some touches behind him. You know, they could bring in Latavius. He's pretty familiar with the team and everything. So uh, he could leapfrog those guys. But uh, I, w- I would kind of doubt it. They they had Jones and Washington on the roster this whole this whole summer. So I would expect those guys to be the backups. All right, so one player that did not disappoint in week one, John, that was Michael Pittman, Colts wide receiver. But same situation here, and we don't like to see the mid the midweek downgrade, and that's exactly what we're dealing with with Michael Pittman. He went from a limited participant in practice on Wednesday to not practicing yesterday, which would be Thursday. So, we again, we don't, we don't want to see this situation, especially with Michael Pittman coming off a really big game in week one, despite the disappointment for the Colts and the offense. As a whole, John, Matt Ryan found Michael Pittman early and often last week. Yeah, and uh, mentioned that the Saints play early on Sunday. Uh, you know, as for the Colts, again, we're going to have to wait and see what 
uh, Pittman does today. Uh, I, I keep saying that, but that Friday practice is so important. They also play early. If he comes back and is limited or uh, f- full especially, then I wouldn't worry too much about his production. Uh, I think the thing to kind of note here is that Alec Pierce, uh, the number two guy uh, there, has concussion symptoms that he came out uh, came down with after the game. Uh, so you might see more Paris Campbell, Ashlyn Doolin, uh, and certainly if Pittman's also out, then all of a sudden Paris Campbell, uh, Doolin become sneaky starts because you've, and maybe Naheem Hines gets a bump in two in terms of uh, snaps and routes that he's going to run. Uh, they, they, they could very quickly be hurting at receiver if they don't have Pittman uh, in the lineup. All right. Now that we're through the biggest week two storylines, let's get into our sleepy how we say sleepy sleeper sneaky start of the week sleeper sneaky start of the week uh our our producers john they give us a, bu- a bunch of asses to deal with but sleepy sleepy sleeper sneaky sneaky start of the week uh by week eight i hope to have that down and 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 clean john but as you know you talked earlier about our league and our league is run through sleeper and we love it. It's one of the fastest growing customizable fantasy football platforms in the industry. And if you head to sleeper.com, uh, sleeper.com, or you can download the app as well, you'll you'll see the same thing that we do. I mentioned this last last time that we did the podcast, John. We had a, a different website that we used, and I didn't think it was very user friendly, and it was it was difficult to draft. It was uh, for me, it was a little bit difficult to to find even where the waiver wire was. Uh, I, I was missing trade request from other owners because I, you know, again, wasn't user friendly, but with sleeper, all of that is in the past. Now I love the draft. I love the, the format for drafting. I love uh, the waiver wire and it makes it easy with the app, uh, of course, to swap out players if need be at the last second. Yeah. And uh, just a quick, quick aside, uh, Anthony was raging during a, during a draft, his, his draft room <laughs> priest, <laughs> he was, he went on a, uh, I don't know, a 10 text, 10 comment rant about how bad the site was and <laughs> everything. So that's when I may uh, have been go- drinking, John. Yeah, you may you may have had a, a, a beverage or two. Yeah. Um, so I think <laughs> after that season, we started looking around and uh, somebody suggested Sleeper. And it's been it's been really sleek. It's been good. Uh, it's a really cool uh, interface. I did, you know, as a Gen Xer, people, my dad, my, my kid calls me a boomer. Um, but I'm not a boomer. I'm a Gen Xer, but I did at the start kind of, it was a little bit daunting. This is the website cause trying to find stuff, but I think like maybe a few games in to the season, I was able to, I'm able now to get exactly where I need to go and, and kind of find everything I need to find really quickly. So once you get used to it, it's, 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 it's a good site to, to host your fantasy league. No doubt. All right. So without further ado, your sleeper sneaky start of the week is. I'm going to go with Daryl Henderson. Uh, and I don't know that, I mean, of course, I'd love to do this because I do like to tweak people because they, you know, oh, he's not sneaky. Obviously, he's going to be the RB1 and he, you know, he he ran ahead of Cam Akers last week. But, I, you know, I always think about my fireman friend and, you know, whether or not he's aware that this is the situation with the Rams. And uh, he's just sort of this, uh, you know, average fantasy player who is not plugged in as some people. And, uh that's okay. Uh, he gets caught up during the season, right before the season, and uh, he, you know, four for four helps him. And uh, we get to situations like this where you're you're starting your twelfth or thirteenth round pick because he's obviously the RB one for the Rams right now, and it doesn't appear that Cam Akers is any 
danger to his workload. Uh, the Falcons are 26th, so they were 26th last year in adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to running backs. And uh, Henderson handled 18 of the team's 21 backfield touches last week. Uh, Cam Akers had 12 snaps, missed a pass block. He had zero yards on three carries. And I think Sean McVay is saying that he's responding well in practice and stuff, but I don't, I don't think that is going to lead to a timeshare of any sort of significance right now. Clearly, they think that Henderson is the better back. Uh, uh, so I think he'll have a nice game against the Falcons this week. All right. As we mentioned last week, if you go to 444.com, you can see John's complete article for his sneaky starts. We like to, in this podcast, give you a couple at each position. Uh, but if you go to, again, 444.com and you're a subscriber, you can see all of John's thoughts. I use the article a lot to, for, for DFS, not only just for our, our league, our year-long leagues, but uh, when it comes to DFS, you're always looking for values. You're always looking to kind of complete your, your roster, and John's article really comes in handy each and every week. So sneaky starts. Let's start off with one of the quarterbacks, and you can see it on the screen, actually. Uh, one of the quarterbacks that you like this week is in Detroit, and it's Carson Wentz. Yeah, I think Jared Goff's not a terrible one either. Uh, this game is an is an interesting one to attack from a fantasy standpoint, DFS standpoint. Uh, it should be quite a few points scored in it. Uh, Jalen Hurts threw for 243 yards, averaged 7.6 yards per attempt against the Lions in week one. The Lions, we know, don't have a great defense. Carson Wentz was obviously, uh, I guess, electric. If he can be electric against the, the Jaguars <laughs> yeah. in week one, he had 313 yards passing, four touchdowns. It seems like everything's going well for him uh, and the commanders. I mean, he, he barely used Terry McLaurin, still found him for a touchdown, found Dotson for two touchdowns. Uh, Curtis Samuel had a good game, was the leading target guy. So, And then Logan Thomas was up there in air yards, uh, intended air yards for a tight end. So this passing game is kind of rolling right now, and I think it would uh, continue to roll against the Lions. All right, well, let's. you had mentioned it. Let's, let's stick with that same game then because you mentioned there's going to be uh, likely a lot of points scored. So how about Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel of the Commanders? Yeah, I know, I'm not sure which yeah, which one of these two to rank higher. It's kind of a tough call. Dotson has been the stalwart in terms of positive buzz in the preseason. Uh, he's supposedly got a great rapport with Wentz, and we saw that on you know three for 40 and two touchdowns on five targets. Looks like he's a red zone type target for, for Wentz. Uh, good route runner, uh, has been impressive all summer, and really was going, in terms of draft position, going late for a guy who was running in all two receiver sets uh, in terms of being also a first-round draft pick, right? He was, a, I think he went in the late first round, so or mid-first round. So um, I think I think the Wentz thing is kind of was holding people back, and just this Washington offense is not a juggernaut. So I think that was kind of why his ADP was down a little bit. And then Curtis Samuel was an end, you know, free player at the end of your draft because people had written him off after his season last year where he had the, the groin injury and just couldn't come back. But, you know, his usage in this game was back to his payday in uh, Carolina. Um, you know, 11 targets, uh, eight catches, 55 yards, touchdown. He's also running the ball. So I think especially with Brian Robinson out, he's a factor in the running game behind uh, Antonio Gibson. Uh, so I think both players like this, this, could be another 30 point game uh, that, the, that the Lions are going to give up and you might have some, uh, you know, plenty of touchdowns to go around for everybody. Hayden Hurst is one of the tight ends that you like this week. He, he made a great catch along the sidelines in that wild Bengals Steelers game last week. 
I, and you you like his perspective perspective. You liked it. You like his uh, projection uh, against Dallas this, sun, this Sunday. Yeah, I think the word you're looking for is prospects. Maybe. Prospects, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like trying to help you out there yeah. uh, mentally. Uh, I should I should note that uh, my my son I got about an hour of sleep. My son is teething, so I apologize to viewers. I, hopefully, I'll be sh- more sharp next week. But I, I should have just ran with projection there. It was it was good enough. Yeah. The, uh, Hayden Hurst, um, that your the catch that you mentioned was was really good. Like he was wide open. Uh, Burrow floated it and. There's like no way he's going to catch this. And he leaped up and caught. I mean, we thought maybe we would catch it, but get his feet down on top of it. Really showed good athleticism. And we have to remember with Hayden Hurst that he, high round draft pick, uh, just kind of, I mean, he played he played in Baltimore and then kind of fell behind Mark Andrews and then went to Atlanta, had a good year with Matt Ryan there, as you remember. And then all of a sudden Kyle Pitts comes in. Uh, so, I'm, you know, I'm waiting it. for the back. The Bengals are going to draft a tight end next year, right? It's just like the <laughs> Hayden Hurst lot in life. But uh, right. he's the fourth option, uh, maybe third in this, you know, depending on him and Tyler Boyd are going to probably vie for those five to seven targets after T. Higgins and obviously Jamar Chase. So keep an eye on T. Higgins. I, I know he had uh, some concussion symptoms. He was, I think he was missing last uh, yesterday's practice for something else, though, a personal issue. So um, keep an eye on his status uh, today in practice, and then if there's any updates over the weekend. Because if Higgins is out, then I think Hayden Hurst is a really attractive uh, sneaky start DFS play. I don't know how expensive he'll be uh, in DFS, but you know he had eight targets last week. Uh, since he threw the ball a lot, um, I don't know if he'll throw it quite as much against Dallas this week. But you know, a really solid tight end and one of these guys that was available very very late in drafts. 13th, 14th round, 15th round uh, that you could have. And he's going to, he's almost an every down player for them. So uh, I like, I like him this week and rest of the season. Don't forget again, if you go to 444.com, you can check out John's sneaky start article for week two. And you can see all of the players that he views as sneaky starts again for week two. Want to make sure you check out that article at 444.com. John, I believe, posted it on Twitter as well at 444 underscore John. You can see that uh, at the bottom of our screen. Before we, before we, um, you know, move on, John, and uh, wrap up the podcast, I know that you had some thoughts on Taysom Hill, the, uh, t- very talented quarterback slash running back slash tight end slash uh, special teamer for the New Orleans Saints. What, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on Taysom Hill, who did get in the end zone last week? Yeah, so this was like a common question I was getting. You know, is Taysom Hill a tight end fantasy tight end one? Should I drop uh, Cole Komet for him? That kind of stuff. And uh, so I started looking at his workload in this game and. So I wanted to pull, you know, basically right now he's a glorified running back, I think. Kind of like a, he he only ran four routes. He was targeted once. Uh, Juwan Johnson is their pass-catching tight end. He, he ran 33 routes. Uh, so you're not going to get a lot of, if this continues, let's just assume that, that you're not going to get a lot of receiving production out of Taysom Hill. So I don't, I really wouldn't consider him a tight end. Um, but that's his position. So fantasy wise, we have to sort of deal with it. Uh, he had 17 games in his career where his snap percentage was within 5% of what he played in week one. So 26% was what he played in week one. I'm looking at, uh, the 17 games where he played between 21 and 31% of the snaps, just, just got to get an idea of what his usage 
in that with that type of a role would be. And in those games, he averaged 3.7 touches for 27.9 yards and 0.41 touchdowns. That's a lot of touchdowns for that, you know, number of touches. But some days you're going to get, you know, three for 20 and no touchdown, and you're going to be really disappointed. And that might not even be a catch in there. <laughs> so it might be three carries for 20 yards, no touchdown. So in half PPR, that equates to six points per game. That would have put him at tight end 24 last year. So a low end tight end two, almost a tight end three. Uh, 8.2 points in half PPR uh, is my threshold for tight end one numbers. He cleared that in six of the 17 games. So maybe one out of three weeks, you're going to get starter type numbers out of him. Uh, and he is capable of putting up 18, 20 points if things go his way like it did in week one. Uh, he averaged seven yards per carry in the, in the, in this range of games. So if he's seeing four carries like he did in week one, we can expect about 28 rushing yards and maybe a third of a touchdown, uh, per game that would equate to roughly 6.9 points per game. So mid range tight end two numbers. So what I'm getting at is we shouldn't be breaking the bank for him. Although that ship has probably sailed for some people. Um, I would not expect him to be this good very frequently this year, unless, they just, he's not going to do this sort of thing in 26% of the snaps regularly. Uh, so if he's playing this role, you're going to get a good game every once in a while, but you're also going to get some serious duds when he doesn't break a run, doesn't score a touchdown. Now, if they start to have a package where he's dropping back and throwing a pass or he starts to run more routes and becomes more of a traditional tight end in terms of receiving uh, then you can start talking about him as a tight end one. Uh, but I think right now we're looking at mid-range tight end two numbers at best with uh, kind of a tight end two, tight end three type value going forward. All right, great stuff, John. Uh, great stuff as always. We'll be back for week three here on the Most Accurate Podcast. We record each and every Friday morning, and uh, hopefully I'll get a little, bit, a little bit more sleep so my you know my my brain starts working a little bit better, John. But um, every, everybody, good luck in this week, whether you're playing year-long or DFS. Uh, everybody, good luck, and don't forget to check out John's rankings at 444.com as well as all the outstanding content. We mentioned the Sneaky Starts article, but I know the the guys do a great job when it comes to some some betting angles and uh, prop plays and things like that that they like. So 444.com's got you covered uh, wall-to-wall when it comes to not only fantasy but betting as well. Uh, again, you can check us out on Twitter at Anthony Stalter or at 444 underscore John. Uh, but, John, have a great weekend. Again, always good to see you, my man, and uh, we'll, we'll check back next Friday. All right, that's the Most Accurate Podcast. See you next week.